welcome to the Emunet podcast, a place for educational rheumatology content to improve research and patient care. If you are too busy to read the Emunet newsletters and the win contributions, this podcast is exactly for you. Now you can get updated while on the go. This episode is dedicated to our EULA Highlights newsletter, which encompasses the most interesting contributions from this year's virtual EULA Congress. My name is Maria Sokolova, I'm a researcher at the University Clinic Erlangen, Germany, and I will be your host for this episode. We also remind you that you have access to the recordings from the Congress until the 1st of September, and there is still time to do it. So let me guide you through the highlights selected by Emunet Working Group members. So first, we will review contributions in the field of basic research. The new insights into the synovial fibroblasts biology have been presented by Michiroli and co-authors. The abstract number is OP0242. They performed single-cell sequencing of synovial tissues from multiple joint sites and could identify different synovial fibroblast clusters. Among them, the presence of TI1-high synovial fibroblasts could be linked to the joint localization and pathological changes. We are also highlighting two abstracts about the role of ACPA antibodies, one of which is demonstrating their potential to induce tenosynovitis and pain-like behavior in mice, by Krishnamurthy and co-authors OP0326, and another one showing their capacity to influence fibroblast mobility by Sun and co-authors from the same group, Fry 0005. Wang and co-authors, OP0328, identified with mass cytometry a specific T-cell population, which was present only in the synovium of patients with checkpoint inhibitors induced arthritis, and not in patients with rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis. One of the current intense research areas is focused on factors contributing to transition from preclinical RA to rheumatoid arthritis. At this year's EULAR, Niemann Svetrit and co-authors, OP0113, present data showing that low IL-7 receptor and insulin-like growth factor 1 RNA expression levels were associated with the development of RA. First, Tappen and co-authors, OP0042, presented the results of the study from the Netherlands investigating the transcriptome of paired minor and major salivary gland tissue in patients with primary Sjogren's syndrome. This study was one of the abstract award winners at Euler. Now moving on to systemic lupus erythematosus, anemia is a well-known phenomenon seen in the disease. Winkup and co-authors, OP0006, demonstrate that patients with SLE have abnormal iron metabolism and mitochondrial function, and this misbalance is even more prominent with high disease activity. There have also been multiple contributions in clinical research in RA. In a study on a large Swedish cohort of RA patients, by Molander and co-authors, OP0034, a strong association between the occurrence of venous thromboembolism and RA disease activity was shown. Understanding factors contributing to sustained DMARD-free remission is also one of the areas of intensive research. Verstappen and co-authors, 
OP0235, found that patients in sustained drug-free remission had a more evident decline in dust score during the first four months after diagnosis as compared to patients who did not achieve drug-free remission, although this trend was seen only in ACPA-negative patients. JEK inhibitors are another very intense area in rheumatology research. Lauper and co-authors, OP0231, evaluated the effectiveness of JEK inhibitors compared to biological DMARDs in RA patients. They found that patients on JEK inhibitors showed lower discontinuation rate than the ones on TNF inhibitors, but comparable to abatacept and IL-6 inhibitors. Long-term safety and efficacy of an IL-6 receptor antagonist serilumab in an open-label extension trial were presented by Fleischmann and co-authors, FRI0092. Clinical efficacy and safety were consistent with the results of phase 3 trials and were sustained over 5 years of treatment regardless of whether patients had received one or more TNF inhibitors previously. Let's now move on to the spondyloarthritis section. Hebeisen and co-authors, OP0075, investigated whether spinal radiographic progression relates to structural damage at the sacroiliac joints in actual spondyloarthritis patients. The study showed that spinal structural damage is mainly restricted to patients who also showed radiographic sacroiliac damage. Krabbe and co-authors, SAT0549, described a semi-quantitative low-extremity MRI scoring method and its ability to capture early peripheral spondyloarthritis patients from the CRESPA trial with improvement during treatment. The updated ASSES consensus on spine lesions definitions was presented by Maximovich and co-authors, FRI0317. Van den Bosch and co-authors, OP0107, presented the results of the open-label phase 4 study called Reembark. In this study, patients with inactive spondylar arthritis who were treated with atenercept were recruited in a 40-week withdrawal period. After 40 weeks, only 25% of patients maintained treatment-free remission and 38% of those who flared could not re-achieve inactive disease state within 12 weeks after retreatment. In a study by Molto and co-authors, THU0370, of the TICOSPA cohort, benefits of the tight control strategy in actual arthritis were compared to the usual care. There was a general trend observed in favor of tight control group, although it was not superior in terms of the primary outcome. But there was also benefit from the health economic perspective. Response to biological DMARDs was compared between patients with psoriatic arthritis with actual disease and patients with actual spondyloarthritis but without psoriatic arthritis in an observational study by Benevent and co-authors, SAT0366. The results were similar in both groups. Co-authors and co-authors, SAT0410, assessed the long-term efficacy and safety of ixekizumab in patients with active psoriatic arthritis from SPIRIT P1 and SPIRIT P2 studies, showing similar responses regardless of the addition of methotrexate or other corticosteroid DMARDs. Now in osteoarthritis. Tenezumab, a monoclonal antibody against nerve growth factor, 
was shown by Berenbaum and co-authors to be well tolerated in most patients with moderate to severe disease of the knee and hip. Fry 0378 in osteoporosis section, alendronate and tenosumab in patients with long-term glucocorticosteroid usage were compared by Mock and co-authors, SAT0475, in a 12-month randomized clinical trial. Both treatments showed good results. After the adjustment for multiple risk factors, tenosumab seemed to perform better than alendronate in terms of spinal BMD change. Both alendronate and tenosumab were well tolerated. Now moving on to systemic lupus erythematosus. There have been data presented by Fury and co-authors AB0373 on the use of KZR616, a first-in-class selective immunoproteasome inhibitor. Weekly subcutaneous injections of 45 or 60 mg in 33 patients with active disease were well tolerated. 95% of patients had improvements on at least two measures assessments of disease activity at week 13. Zuile and co-authors, OP0097, presented the project on the development of new classification criteria for antiphospholipid syndrome, and Bertsias and co-authors reported that the inclusion of extra SLE features to current classification criteria can improve diagnostic capacity. THU0245. There have also been updates in crystal arthropodes. In an interesting study, Alin and co-authors, THU0408, investigated the association between the development of new onset gout after kidney transplantation and stated that the new onset gout was associated with a 51% increased risk of the need to return to dialysis 12 months after transplantation. Zobi and co-authors OP0172 assessed the impact of a body weight lowering drug liraglutide on serum urate levels. The liraglutide group exhibited a higher mean decrease in serum urate of 0.48 mg per deciliter compared to 0.07 mg per deciliter in a placebo group. Now we are moving forward to the vasculitis section. Results of some major trials were presented at the Congress. The results of Ritazarem trial were presented by Smith and co-authors, OP0026. In relapsing patients with ANCA-associated vasculitis, maintenance treatment with rituximab was superior to azathioprine for maintenance of remission after induction treatment with rituximab. This was in terms of relapse rate, 38% versus 13%, and also relapse-free survival. The results were independent from ANCA-type clinical diagnosis or other potential co-founders. In the three-year analysis of the GIACTA trial, which was about the use of tocilizumab in giant cell arteritis, presented by Stone and co-authors, OP0027, weekly tocilizumab regimen has been shown to perform better than tocilizumab every other week in a new onset and relapsing GCA and resulted in a longer flare-free survival. Hatemi and co-authors OP0028 presented the results of the phase 3 relief study in Bechet's disease, which showed greater improvement in the number of oral ulcers and pain in a primalose 30 mg twice daily group compared to placebo. 
In our newsletter highlights issue, you can find more highlights, including sessions in rare and auto-inflammatory diseases, imaging, pediatric rheumatology, COVID highlights, health professionals in rheumatology session, and PARE, people with arthritis rheumatism in Europe session. It is noteworthy that Euler issued provisional recommendations for the management of rheumatic and musculoskeletal diseases in the context of SARS-CoV-2. And these recommendations were presented at the Congress by Landeve and co-authors. Also, first data of the Eula COVID registry were presented by Heirich and co-authors. In our newsletter, you can also find a list of the Eula Abstract Award winners in the categories Basic and Translational Research and Clinical Research. I would also like to remind you that Amunet has a YouTube channel where you can find videos with interviews with Paper of the Month winners, experts, group leaders, and more. Also, you can find the recording of the Presentational Skills webinar from this year's Congress. So this brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Do not forget to visit the Eminet e-booth at EULA 2020. Also, Eminet is very active on social media, so please go follow us on Twitter and Facebook to keep being up to date with educational content and research opportunities. Thanks for tuning in and stay safe. We will see you in the next episode.